0: Hola, welcome everyone to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. This is Teresa Gonzalez, co-founder and host of Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Six months have passed. Where the hell have I been? Well, I'll tell you, I've been reconstructing, reimagining, and trying to innovate more of this podcast with more change makers, more design thinkers that will activate you into really putting the forward future thinking that our community holds. We do, we do hold the keys to the future. After COVID-19, I just want to say I'm hugging all of you that have lost community members. The essential workers that have provided food on our tables have been so important to us that don't get that voice. And here, that's what I'm bringing To this platform, we will hold people accountable. We will create new technology and we will design new policies and protections for people. And that's what these next few podcasts that I have coming up for the remainder of the year are going to hopefully inspire and also give you some food for thought about maybe you want to start that business, maybe you want to step away from the infrastructures that are keeping us aligned to certain powers that are hurting our communities, whatever it may be, even if you need a rest, do it and take action and learn to love ourselves again. Marie Smith is a Chief Information Officer at Data360 and has spent the last 20 years as a founding contributor to almost 50 media, tech, and wellness companies and projects. Big data refers to extremely large data sets that may be analyzed computationally to reveal patterns, trends, and associations, especially relating to human behavior and interactions. Does that sound interesting? Does that sound difficult? It doesn't have to be. Marie Smith breaks it down in this podcast about how she's enabling all us folks out in communities, small business owners To really leverage data pools with her technology stack called data 360 solutions or check out marie at data360network.com where you can learn all about big data solutions and information management all through a crm platform that she has built from scratch and that can get your business seen online that's data360networks.com All right. Well, thanks again for joining Marie. I'm so happy to have you on the show because um, I think it was fate that brought us together. I am a data nerd closet wise. I'm secretly a data person, but I don't understand it as much as you do. And once I connected with you and you told me your story, I said, we got to get all the people out there that are listening to the podcast to really understand how AI and technology is really affecting everything we do. And especially for communities of color, if we don't understand what's going on now, just at the very basic core level, then it's really going to be challenging for us to really have privacy rights and fundamental civil rights of our privacy and how we are monitored. And it's all really through the internet and our phones. All right, so the journey that we met was through this movie, Coded Bias. It is a phenomenal movie. And the reason that it's so important is because this woman, Joy, through MIT, who started actually just putting together a technology lab project. And just to break it down for everybody out there that has not seen the movie, she came across the programming language, which was in her project, that is foundational, that you can basically use as any coded software To kind of start this project and when she was trying to do it, she noticed that it was not programmed for people of color because her program was to have facial recognition and capture the face to give you a superhero face. So you could wake up in the morning and be a superhero, but for people of color, you couldn't be a superhero, which was really sad. So it took her on this path down into why is this? And here she is at the Brain Trust of the United States, MIT, one of them, I would say. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what the hell is going on here? And she discovered that the foundational code had been programmed by non-people of color, white people, of course. And she takes us back on this whole history of where programming code was first originated and it, there is a big history there and of course we all know that people of color were not at dartmouth in 1955 which was the starting of this computer programming and then you look at today the 1% of who's really owning all the platforms of data mark zuckerberg bill gates jeff bezos you know these are all people it's a such a small amount and they hold so much of our personal data And they're working with governments now that we're just on alert. And so everyone's mind should really be privy to this because it's through your phones. And also they're trying to create what's known as smart cities, which, you know, there are cameras in certain neighborhoods where they want to start doing facial recognition. It's already started in London.
1: It's been in London a really long time.
0: Yeah. So just given the recent events of what's happened, especially you know one six you know this year and how they're capturing people I'm kind of on the fence because I say well this is where it's doing good because it's capturing all those crazy people that stormed the capital and that was the biggest day of people of color in that citadel of democracy and here they're trying to capture people but then you know there's all these other legacy issues but it all had to do with technology because that's how they communicated That's how they took pictures. That's how they sent messages through the platforms that everybody was aware of, but nobody moved on it. So this is where I'm like so fascinated. And this is a huge intro for you, Marie, because you have been privy to this since 1996. Awesome. Well, let's start with your journey and how you got to be this data nerd. Because for me, it's always kind of been there like a little, I call it a tickle. And I've always been fascinated by technology, but it wasn't until these last, I want to say my last years at Facebook and Google where my mind just kind of exploded. And I said, wow, I, you know, I really got to talk about this. And I say this on many podcasts, but for you, it started in Kansas City.
1: Yeah, it started in Kansas City. That's right. So yes, yeah, started with my parents who are both uh, closet nerds also. So totally identify with that. And, and um, my mom has... Uh, Incredibly interesting background with, you know, sort of many, many generations, a few hundred years of immigrants sort of intermarrying. So we have a, like a UN as a family.
0: Oh. <laughs> so you're it saying when you get happening. together for family gatherings, it looks like the UN.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have to like culturally decode what everybody's. That was most of my childhood, right? It was sort of uh-huh. like, like, so now I can tell you, oh, this. This aunt was Chicana. This aunt was Jewish. This aunt is, uh, you know, Irish Indian background. This aunt was German, Swedish. I can tell you all that now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. But back then it was like, you know, I was kind of like, who's my aunt? Who's my cousin? Oh, they all are? My dad's Puerto Rican. And my mom was, it's like a lot of things, like 13 nice. different things by her recollection. I still, I had a 23 in me. The funny story is, I just did a 23 me just to like verify everything. I actually know a lot of my grandparents, I had like 12 or 13 of my grandparents were alive wow. when I was little.
0: So wow. I knew them,
1: you know, so I knew I could kind of like verify what she was saying, but, but I wanted to get the genetic test just to see. And then of course I didn't, I didn't remember my code. So it's like in the ether somewhere. Oh yeah. I, I
0: mean, I did that too, but now I'm afraid that I did that because well, we're going to get into the weeds about that now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, (laughs) because, of course, being a data nerd, I had mixed feelings because I was like, oh, they'll have my genetic data. But then I was like, but then I really want to know what's going on. And and I had this super cyber new doctor service that told me about all that. So, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. So I grew up with all this, all these different people, these different perspectives. And my Chicana aunt, like Bob Uh Dylan, and my Jewish aunt was Uh from Long Island. And love to talk about her uh, SEC raids from the wow. from Wall Street in the 80s, which I didn't understand what she was talking about. But she asked me what I want to be. And I said, I want to be a financial planner. And she said, <laughs> no, don't do that.
2: Wow. <laughs> and, then,
1: and then did a classic, like super long Jewish kvetching session, which I didn't understand nice. what she was doing. But uh-huh. everybody else did. And they just like mm-hmm. cleared the room. But I didn't want to disappoint her because my mom said, Don't do anything weird. That's my favorite aunt. So I was kind of like, Oh, I'm stuck here listening to her convention talk about the SEC. And it's just talking about her, like, her boob implants in Italy and some other things. Or her boob reduction, her boob, boob. reduction. And, and but anyway, I was just all like, Well, who is this lady? And then my, the rest of my family just started shaking their heads and, like, leaving the room. So I was just like, oh, I didn't understand what was going on, but it was a it was a fun childhood. And my dad was a classic like Latino dad, like spoiled mm. everybody, really loved everything, you know, just like full of love and loved music and loved the dance. But it was also like a super engineering mm. nerd. He loved planes and technology and the military and all this stuff. And he worked. He was a cop. He actually worked for the FBI and for the local department in Wow, Sheriff's and department, this was
0: on Kansas, City. which
1: was. Yeah. I wish, you know, he's, he's passed uh, rest in peace, but obviously, God, how did you go through all that? Like knowing what I know now about everything. But you know, the crazy thing was Timothy Wind, who beat Rodney King was on (sighs) his police force prior to moving to LA. So that was one time where he sort of discussed, you know, there's different police forces in the police force. Wow. And I was all like, Oh, and then you start talking about Gates and how he recruited people, Daryl Gates and and how he recruited racist cops to LA. And I was just all like, oh, so that's why he was like, you know, he was actually he like actually broke down and cried one day and said, Don't go to LA.
0: Wow.
1: Because And you're not you're not in LA. I am in LA. (laughs) 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 No, I'm not I wasn't in LA yet. (laughs) but I was I was going to USC and I was like and I was like dad I'm going to USC this is not like South Central LA Uh and then my grandmother cried and said you're gonna be a waitress and wind up one of those acting people and I'm like no I'm going to the best film school in the world I'm not going to be a waitress right right yeah but it was it was funny that all these different things you know they're different perspectives but they love technology and my dad was really encouraging me to be engineer he bought us every kind of video game equipment from the 70s on wow every kind of everything and said you know I love 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 technology my mom actually loved technology and decided to be a programmer and that's how I started becoming a programmer because my mom was a young mom Wow. and and whatever she did, I did. Wow. So when my mom was, when my mom was a programmer, I was a programmer. When my mom was a fitness instructor, she tried to bring me on her thing. I actually resisted that one pretty well, <laughs> but she, <laughs> I still am like, I love athletics. I love sports, but mm-hmm. I'm not a gym person. and right. it's, It takes a lot for me to do the gym. I have to be doing an activity, like being in an organization or something. It's just, I don't know. My mind works funny that way. Um, and, and so she studied the law. When she studied the law, I, she became a paralegal for a while. I was doing, I studied the law and I look, I work for legal aid. Did she actually study radiology? I studied physiology. Nice. <laughs> so it was like, I, I kind of got like, well, she was in, her college mode trying to figure out, but really she was just trying to figure out a place. She's extremely brilliant. She's Mm -hmm. a genius, but she couldn't figure out where to fit. And I realized like now that was because she's a woman of color. There's no support systems, white male world. They weren't trying to have her there. Right. And so every time she wound up in a place, there was just like no support until she became a teacher. And of course, as a teacher, a female, she had support, right? Right. So she said she wanted being a paraprofessional for a long time. But she's the one who said, uh, you know, hey, learn this computer equipment stuff with me. It's really cool. And I was like, okay. And then when she quit being a programmer, my dad was like, well, I got to do something with this equipment. So here, kid, you know, (laughs) take it and play with it or whatever. And he liked playing video games with me and stuff. So
0: there you go. It was that little
1: video game competition. So I had a lot of support. He was like, I can tell you're an engineer. I mean, he used to say that like his whole life. Wow. Like almost his last day. <laughs> he was like, wow. you're an engineer.
0: <laughs> you know?
2: And I'm just
1: all like, and I was like, no, I'm an artist. I'm a writer. I go to film school. But I didn't realize film school was engineering. Right. At the heart of making a movie, making a TV show, there's so much science. People have no idea how much science is involved In making movies and television. It's so full of science. And then computers came around Mm -hmm. for those things. And it's so full of computer stuff. So now it's like, there's so much technical things that go into the actual production. Yeah. It was like, I was right at home and I didn't realize it. And I was still becoming an engineer, like more and more an engineer every day. Right. I went to college and every job. and mm -hmm. It was amazing.
0: Well, you found the intersection of two things you love at that time, which was... Film and technology and I remember us talking earlier that you said that you had a chance to go to Yale and Harvard because you were a valedictorian of your high school you know you did all these things but your heart was in film school USC yeah. which is super hard to get into it's harder as you said than Yale and Harvard and how you get in is almost like that you know woman you gotta pay people to get in <laughs> People you know that,
1: do pay to get into USC.
0: Yeah, it's a thing. But I just wanna know, was it because of Star Wars that you wanted to go to USC?
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't at all. <laughs> Let me tell you. I'm I'm so excited about college. It was just like a way for me to like run around the hallway, like go to the vending machine, get Cheetos, come back, you know. <laughs> but anyway so i went to usc's orientation and it was like the only one run by a black person so i was kind of like whoa what's going on with this and then she's like because you saw yourself
0: you saw yourself
1: yeah Yeah. i saw myself and i was like whoa so i just sort of like okay let me pay attention and she was like well you know usc has all these great things going on and she's like usc doesn't normally come here to the midwest and recruit people but i'm here because i'm from here and and I was just kind of like, oh, okay. And then she's like, and I have a friend, his name is John. And she was talking about John Singleton, who made oh Boys my in the God. Hood. Mm-hmm. And she was like, he went to film school. And I was like, is that like sound engineering? Is that like the monster sound show in Disneyland? <laughs> and that was really my only like reference point. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, people get paid to like make movies and TV and stuff. And mm-hmm. then I got the application and I felt like I was a writer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but they wanted like, five writing samples wow and i was like i'm not writing five things Mm -hmm. and so then they had the director's program and they had only two writing samples and so i was like yay okay i'm gonna do two writing samples this is this is kind of like my idiot savant moment right like because i was just kind of like i just want to do this creative stuff i don't know and i didn't i didn't really have a conception of the director's program until i really got there Mm mm-hmm Right, it really got in the classes.
0: Talk about setting the bar high for yourself. You're like, yeah, no, I'm not going here. I I just, (laughs) I'm going for the director role because you're like, I think that's more of a fit for me because it's only two writing samples. (laughs) It's only two writing
1: samples.
0: (laughs) Having no experience in film at all. None.
1: None. None. (laughs) I just think that's hilarious. None. I was a I was a great writer. I did a lot of like poetry and write, that's really I got in based on my writing skills.
0: Oh, cool.
1: And I got in based on the school I went to and the being the valedictorian and all that stuff, but you know, I guess they were impressed by my writing cuz you know, I have no other explanation why I was getting in with people who have been studying film in Switzerland and <laughs> all over the world. <laughs> All these things, right? I'm like, I guess they think I'm a good writer, right? <laughs> so it was kind of like, you know, people were introducing themselves and they were like, well, you know, I'm I'm from Chile and <laughs> I they run these Academy Awards as a student and and you're I was like, just all like, whoa,
0: you're like, cool. I go to the Cheeto machine during lunch and you know, I'm from Kansas. I, I like yeah, Cheetos Kansas, and Doritos. So, yeah, and I like uh, video games and I like writing video poetry. Games.
1: Write poetry. I like Cheetos and Doritos.
0: And that's I how I got Coke. in.
1: I prefer Coke over Pepsi.
0: And they're like, who is this person? How did she they're get like, in? Who is she? And why is she not conserving her artistry? I'm just
1: like, yeah, yeah, I'm an artist.
0: Oh, my God. I think that's the most uh, wonderful fluke that has happened. But it's not, right? Because people say, no, everything is everything
1: happens for a reason yeah, yeah people don't
0: believe that they're like no it doesn't but i i no
1: i totally belong there i mean it was funny like i i you know i later learned that I, I totally belong there it mm. wasn't it wasn't even and it wasn't imposter syndrome i was just literally like i think i just took a lot of my privileges for granted because mm. i didn't realize like every kid of color didn't have computers and all this stuff wow. and every, i was just sort of in this bubble of support Mm. Right, and so I just, I just felt like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I got in, cool, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> sure, that's I'm supposed to get into programs. I always get into programs because right. in high school I had overperformed, and I had all these programs and awards and newspaper clippings and all that stuff. So I was just kind of like used to achieving, but I just, I hadn't really paused and really thought about the implications until, you know, later I started meeting different people there are other creative people in my family and they never told me about it.
0: Wow. It was, so it was, it was like really this. hilarious. It's so crazy because when you think about it, you are on this calling in a way that you didn't know what it was exactly, but something was pulling you in that yeah, direction. Yeah, different things would pull me. hmm And it's interesting that you said that it was based on the support. So, you know, I have this thing about energy and things just... You know, like I said, sometimes they don't happen for a reason is good. But when they do, it's an opportunity. It's like a window. It's like a door that comes to you. And I always tell people, you know what? Just just do it. Just take it. Walk through it. Because even if you fail or even if it doesn't work out, you learned something from that.
1: Man, I have so much to say about that. My, me and my family have a long, sorted history uh, in adulthood. Childhood was great because I was a good girl and I always followed the program, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. And and then the more, well, your dad was in the
0: military, so I'm sure things are pretty regimented. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, he was. Yeah, he was a cop, but yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. He was. He was very closed off to like exploring things because you know he saw so much bad, Mm. so many bad things. So all he could see. In the future, is what could go wrong, oh. and how I could get hurt, mm. and how many different ways things could mm-hmm. happen, you know, racially or whatever. He, that's all he saw, and he just yeah. I
0: mean, your skin out. color, you know, Afro Latina. It's like everything that is like, and you're in the Midwest. I mean, holy cow! I mean, I can just imagine
1: like nothing lands with you. You're so confident, if, even if someone says something like super racist to me, which there were definitely things along the way where people told me I couldn't and I was like, Well my mom said I can, so
0: Yeah. F and that, you. F yeah, you. and you're not my mama and you're not my daddy. So I can do this. So I can do whatever they said.
1: You know, so I was just kinda like, I don't know who you are trying to tell me anything. Yeah. But I'll do whatever I feel like doing. And and you know, even in film school they used to ask me who was my favorite director and I was like, Well I'm my favorite director <laughs> Because
0: you're like, no, they're like, do you know, you know, George Lucas, like this is foundational and John Singleton I was sitting sitting in
1: the George Lucas building when I said that and they're
0: like, and you're like me, bitches. What else? I'm like, like, if I'm not on my own
1: team, who's on my team? I have to be on my own team. And they're just all like, who is this kid? What the hell is going on? I think I'm all like 19. (laughs) Right. I was just like, I'm on my own team. And I do what I want, and I'm on my own team.
0: That's awesome. Oh, I love that so much. I do. It's like, you're no hold bar. It's like, and it's funny because it's like, it's George Lucas founded.
1: I'm not registering any of this stuff. This stuff is not hitting me at all. It was just like, it was like (laughs) really interesting.
0: And Stanley Kubrick, too. They all went there at the same time. And you're like, yeah, and
1: whatever. Welber, they, I mean, everybody. <laughs> yeah, all kind of people. My teachers all did like the most famous <laughs> things ever. The most famous. I used to call up. I, I, I used to have the most embarrassing interviews when I first started there because I didn't know what to say to people. And and so I I called up this guy named Lawrence Bender, and Lawrence was a professor at USC, and he had made the Graduate. You know, with Dustin. Oh Hoffman. yeah. And he had made the Running Scare with Billy Crystal and and gregory hines Mm -hmm. and you know a bunch of famous movies Mm -hmm. and i wanted to understand his world because i liked his movies Mm. and i called him and i was like hey i have uh some questions and he's just like what do you want kid (laughs) right and i'm just all like uh and then i just lost it right i was just like uh 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 right and this is like a long succession of interviews that i had blown (laughs)
2: Mm-hmm. right
1: where I was just like I didn't know how to how do I connect to this guy like we don't we don't even speak the same language and and then when I met different people that I admired mm. you know sometimes we had the same language sometimes they were just like you have no idea kid about how crazy it is out there <laughs> right and I was just all like okay I don't get that but yeah <laughs> you know I was just like I didn't know what they were talking about but you know later you know when you when I think about like me too and All this stuff that was going on in the background where it still wasn't hitting me. Like if somebody came at me in that way, I just, it didn't register and they realized it wasn't registering and I wasn't into it and they would just go away. Now I think about all these memories back Mm. then and I think about being right next to a predator. I knew one predator that was on television that I knew very well.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And I just think back on that and go all the times in the entertainment industry, I met different people. I was like, wow. Wow. None of the stuff ever really hit me.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by LatinasB2B.Marketing. Check out LatinasB2B.Marketing. What does it mean for your business to show up online? Is it more than social media is it more than a website do you have email trust me people are looking at their emails every day that's how we communicate with each other in business so if you're just starting a business or you want to know how to leverage your business into growing your customer base and creating an experience around your products and services Come visit us at latinasb2b.marketing. Let's get you started. Let's have a talk. Because the saying goes, you give a person a fish, they eat for one day. But if you teach them how to fish, they eat forever. Gracias. And that's what it's really about. And that's what, you know, I always like to get out of folks in this. So talking about that experience, right? And here we go into your design concepts, into these startups right you're bringing that forward mm-hmm. your experience and then you're talking about the data practice that you finally got to right so when-
1: yeah so it made a couple leaps from AOL so once that kind of wound down that really got killed by September 11th mm. the whole pivot of the business September 11th was such a huge thing our bankers um, some of our bankers were actually in the tower that got the main part that got destroyed. Mm-hmm. That I think it was like the 14th floor or whatever it was. Yeah, at the top, and uh, you know that just rattled everybody.
0: Well, yeah, those towers were the biggest financial institutions on the East Coast that were funding everything that was about.
1: that happened. Yeah,
0: yeah. I remember yeah. I was at my first tech company at that time, and it was a financial software company. It was a woman-owned business, and she grew that business. And I just remember coming into work that day early because it was all East Coast time that we were on. And they said the tower has been hit. And we lost, I think, when it was all said and done, there were like 20 clients in that building that were gone. And that was like really hard for a lot of people. Yeah
2: yeah I mean, it was hard
0: it was super like
1: anybody related to that was it was like everything was super hard it was just it was just like things became so abysmal mm-hmm. after that you know it was like the equivalent not the equivalent of coronavirus but i mean it was it had a similar impact it was time, on fucking tv impact. yeah it was it was,
0: there
1: was everything, no- everything, had, everything had shut down so crazy because of that kind of this that same shutdown thing you know, how do you deal with all that? And I remember um, I was actually out of the starter by then, but it was still going and I was, like, excited because I was like, okay, I can eventually going to be able to get my stock cash outs and woohoo, okay, I got my savings plan. No.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I was working for Vivendi Universal, which is now Comcast Universal, uh, making video games, making these weird video games, including Law & Order Interactive wow. um, at the time. And learning more about the games are called real life games. And so they were based on data professionals uh, like doctors and lawyers and combat medics and talking about real cases, kind of, you know, how law and order is made on real cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so all the technical pieces and then programming the video game to match those cases. And it was a terribly interesting job, but, but, you know, sort of like a niche market that this lady had carved out and we said sold like a million units to Walmart wow and so that was you know a cool gig but uh right when september eleventh happened we were we we're actually in the el capitan building right next to jimmy kimmel
2: mm. where
1: where jimmy kimmel is now um i think jimmy kimmel had moved in or maybe he had just moved in and i was going down hollywood and it was like empty wow. it was like that weird movie with tom cruise you know the little sky and the whole thing was like empty wow it was like normally and i was like you can literally just walk in the middle of hollywood boulevard and like There were no cars. There was no anything. And I was kind of like, and my my boss was like, go home.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Number one, they think think the planes might still be out there. Number two, we don't know whether they're going to hit Hollywood or not. Wow. And we think they may be trying to hit Hollywood. There's a threat, you know, a terror threat on Hollywood. And I was just all like, oh my God. And I'm sitting right there, like in the heart of Hollywood. Mm -hmm. The El Capitan building is the center. So I was, I was... It, you know it was really crazy. So that that was a huge pivot for the market and then after that I was kind of a gun for hire in putting together innovation plans or whatever and I want to work with a company called Microstrategy. Uh, which is now they're super famous now for buying a bunch of Bitcoin. They bought yeah. millions of dollars in Bitcoin.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know who they are
1: because they're, they're always pivoting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, MicroStrategy is a whole chapter I could talk about for a very long time, like an entire podcast. But but basically, they were trying to figure out how to monetize social media because they had sold DoubleClick to Google for mm-hmm. four billion dollars. So that was they made quite a bit because they were the actual engine underneath DoubleClick. Mm-hmm. So Google replaced MicroStrategy with their own code,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but MicroStrategy. Built that company, and so anyway, you know, I sort of learned about this through a bunch of different nerd friends that I work at research labs, and so I was like, okay, well, let's see, you know, what can happen next, right? And then I pitched a company called Rakuten
0: mm, about you, you social media. Rackerton.
1: <laughs> yeah, about social media advertising, because you know, I just, I just said, you know, big balls. I just go out and pitch anything <laughs> to anybody, because that's what I do. Because <laughs> that's nice. what I do. I'm just all like, oh, okay, who are you? Okay, let's talk. Um,
0: See, that's the way you got to do it. You just got to go out there, be confident, and just say, look, I know my shit. This is what can happen, and this is what I've done. I mean, I'm sure they knew you. I like how you said the gun for hire. Nice.
1: Yeah, it's just because people were like, okay, you can do these things. And so I was just experimenting with these platforms and you know, there was also a stint where I was like starting broadcast, internet broadcast TV mm-hmm. with the people who invented Flash, mm. and then our rival came up, this weird company called YouTube. <laughs> and
0: yeah, just a small little weird company, just called we YouTube. Were,
1: <laughs> we were effing toast. I mean, that's the story. I don't even tell very often, but I mean, we were toast. And the and the people that started it were brilliant, but the problem is. You know, everybody went after this video market Mm. after, you know, that was, that was the beginning, right? Of all this market, including the technology we're talking on today, right? So then everybody's in the video business and the compression got good. And a lot of the code got good and Google was responsible for a lot of that code and Google just became this monster that was super amazing. So it was kind of like, no. Mm -hmm. And then I met, I was actually asked to help architect some deals between California and the European union software deals uh, because I had invented a communications protocol, which we're that's what we use today at data 360. Mm. And so at the time the following pivots were kind of like, okay, how can I prove that these communication protocols work? Right. So that's why I had come to pitch Rakuten, And then we were working with these two little weird startups, Twitter and Facebook, trying to prove (laughs) that, profiles and algorithms matter
0: oh god to to corporations
1: right to, to prove to the corporations hey this works and it does work and here's how it works and and so i still i saved all the templates i made like they're still sitting in my one of my accounts so i was like hey here's here's how social media advertising works and, and to this day they implemented almost everything
0: oh my god and what, mean,
1: facebook, what facebook almost implemented almost everything and yeah.
0: What year was that? What year was
1: that? was 2008.
0: So 2008. Yeah. You and so just I- wrote these little procedures and programs and pitches and, you know, the, all these things to help grow that company back in 2008. And mind you. Twitter that- and
1: Facebook, both Twitter together. and
0: Facebook. And mind you, that was in the downturn of the worst economy. So we're talking about two. Areas of the economy that nosedived. dived. We're talking about 9-11, where you saw an opportunity. And then we're talking about 2008, where, you know, that was a housing bust, the financial services meltdown. And here come these companies, right? There was an, yeah. There's this opportunity. And I, I do
1: well in down markets, for sure.
0: Hey, I think that <laughs> that's really strange. it's the best time. It's yeah. it's a reality, right? So that's what you do. And that's how you started to make that money. Shmoney, shmoney, as Cardi B says, a shmoney. Let's get that shmoney. Was in mm-hmm. 2008, right?
2: Yeah,
1: that was the beginning, mm-hmm. right? And then that is when the R, the big R started happening. The big R. Yeah. The big racism, Mm. steel ceiling, because it was it was clear what became clear was, oh, this this chick's like powerful. She could start to move things around. No,
0: no. Wait, wait, wait. Let's back up. You are a Afro Latina. You've started and pitched to companies. You are very confident. And how many people are in that space that look like you? Nada hardly any zero and you come in at that time with your arsenal of knowledge and they were trying to i'm sure do a -a rope-a-dope around you you know all
1: kind all kind of rope-a-dope stuff started happening all over the place Mm -hmm. i mean stuff that that is like you know remember that movie the big short it's like it's like that
0: i know it's like that
1: kind of it's like that kind of Mentality. manipulation mm-hmm. manipulation mm-hmm. right so you know i had manipulation from hollywood and somebody who i thought was a really good friend mm. i had manipulation from financial people who i thought were on my team
0: damn and
1: doing weird things and doing deals behind the scenes and trying to saddle us with, with strange things and fortunately i had because of my mentor in the previous startup i'd had a lot of different training about how deals get done. Mm. And so fortunately I was able to exit Mm -hmm. things properly. Mm -hmm. And so that prevented a lot of drama and craziness in my life. And then I went to a suburb in California and then it was literally, you know, completely made up racist Stories and then that was it.
0: Oh no, was that that was it? You mean a suburb outside of downtown Los Angeles? Uh huh.
1: Outside of LA, yeah. Oh, in central in central California, Trump country. So,
0: so you're basically saying the foundation of Facebook and Twitter are really at the hands of what you pitch and the
1: ad program, yeah, for the advertising program, Mm -hmm. which is how they went public.
0: Chingale. Their
1: salespeople took it. To get all the ideas that I gave, so I was kind of like, and you know, I was very naive too, just thinking, oh yeah, they're going to do me solid and whatever. Of course, no, they're going to steal everything I have. Luckily, it was there wasn't anything like my IP wasn't there to steal.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank God. Yeah,
1: but it was pretty close, you know. And I met met a Zuckerberg and all of that stuff. I mean, it was that it was that deep. So so that's it was crazy. Kinda,
0: that's yes, yeah, so it was
1: a little crazy. So so it was just kind of like okay, yeah, just throw her life away and and then you know the tech company, you know, no one would vouch for me, and then the tech companies just took all my stuff, and you know, it was just like wow, okay, cool. Yeah.
0: This so is- then
1: I was like, so then I was like, this is the game we're playing. So let me just let me do a different plan
2: mm-hmm.
1: this time, and that's really how data work. I wanted to do in the ACLU and Data 360 and all that stuff was born, and I'm actually. You know, I don't. I still don't feel like the experience was fair, but I'm grateful for the experience because it really shook me like a thousand percent awake mm. to my own power and to how insidious and how much bullshit the racism thing can generate. Because mm-hmm. it really is insidious
2: mm-hmm.
1: and deeply woven into America and the world in, in a way that I wasn't completely... Like I said, it wasn't really hitting me because I wasn't. I was in the space of just being disciplined, creating my projects, doing good work. I thought that was enough, yeah. right? And it wasn't enough, mm-hmm. right? So then I was like, "Oh, I have to create this other layer, this ecosystem around me, so that I don't go through that ever again."
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting the reflection of that when you look at you know how you say everything was very compartmentalized and you know, this, and then you had this shaken, hey, wake up. It's unfortunate, but like you said, it was something that was reaching out to you to say, hey, Maria, Marie, come here. There's a bunch of us here that are, you know, need your help. And I think that's what it, it might That's what it did. That's what it that's is. exactly
1: what it did because the people that I now know from that experience and the people that I was able to help after that experience In the ACLU, in the Central Valley, right? Mm -hmm. I lobbied with people from the Central Valley and the paisanos and paisanos Mm -hmm. there, and all the bullshit that goes on there, so much bullshit. I could just cry about some of the bullshit that goes on in Central Valley, and some of the bullshit that goes on with the paisanos, and then, you know, remember my grandmother, my grandfather, who were paisanos Mm -hmm. and paisanos. Mm
0: -hmm. And you're saying that as farm workers, that's what you mean?
1: Yeah, and my grandparents, I remember my great-grandfather's, my tia and my my abuela talking about that, Mm -hmm. right? They went through that when they were little, and, you know, sort of like the American story of that. And, and so anyway, I just, I got really grounded. I came out of my ivory tower and that gave me a lot of power because mm-hmm. I could sort of speak to what's real. Yeah. Right. Versus like, okay, in this venture capital land. Yeah. Like what's real. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to do this tech thing, but I'm going to do it different. I'm going to run it like a freaking restaurant. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do venture capital. Oh, okay. And the last piece was I was actually on my way to work for SAP mm-hmm. because I, I'm on the spectrum. I have ASD and they had an autism program.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm considered a highly functional autistic. So mm-hmm. I have different sensory issues and all that sort of stuff. So anyway they were um and it, it affects the environment how i have to work and so i was thinking i'm gonna get on a plane i'm gonna make friends with sap people and i'm gonna poach those people to come work for me <laughs> as i get to know people that was my plan and so i was really excited because i was like great i'm gonna poach people and then i'm gonna become, you know yeah. Build bigger, better, faster, stronger, right? Yeah. And and then my co-founder comes along and he's like, hey, I'm up to big things. I'm working with Transamerica. I'm going to start this insurance company. And it was like, you know, black and Filipino people. And I was like, oh, good Lord. I'm sort of rolling my eyes. <laughs> and and then but I'm like, he's really cute. So of course he becomes my husband eventually, my second oh.
0: husband. Oh, <laughs> Nice.
1: And then he's explained to me, his insurance company, and they're writing things down on, like, Rolodex cards with pens. <laughs> and I'm like, where's your CRM system? Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you writing things down on pens, mm-hmm. with pens and paper? And I'm like, Black and Filipino people, what are you doing? <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you just use technology, right? So then I'm telling him, give me your phone, and let me show you some things, right? And one of the first things I showed him was Slack.
0: Oh. and then Wow, started- this is recently he was just using <laughs> Paper, You're like what are you doing? 2015,
1: 2015. Oh, girl. Uh huh. So then, so then I'm going okay, and then all the people around me, I'm realizing, oh God, they're they're completely technolo- technologically illiterate, and, and the ACLU was like, we're totally technologically illiterate. Can you come help us? Right, and they they buy me a plane ticket. I mean, a train ticket down to San Diego from LA. And they set me up in a condo. I mean, like a premium, you know, five star.
0: The ACLU.
1: (laughs) The ACLU. Uh They did this. Yeah, yeah. that was my payment was a premium condo for the weekend.
0: To help them get. Yeah.
1: Can you tell us how to. They said we got data from 144 counties in California. California has corruptedly spent spend this money. It's a secret project. And we're going to debut it to the New York Times and the LA Times and all that. Wow. Can you can you help us figure out how the hell to do this? So I helped them learn how to model the corruption, wow. how to show the corruption existed
2: mm-hmm. and
1: bought, and then gave them some software tools to play with mm-hmm. and all that. And we worked it out over a couple of days in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And and this was before they had a data department. They have one now. Nice. And that was the first
0: data project they ever did. Wow. In 2015. Yeah.
1: And so it wound up in, uh, in, in the New York times, the LA times, all that sort of stuff, and so it's still on our website to this day. But it was amazing to see kind of the results. And then I was like, "Oh, this is a big old market. Mm-hmm. This is a nobody's helping these." You know, even when I was lobbying in Sacramento, nobody had the data for anything. Nobody mm-hmm. knew how to get the data. It's still a constant problem.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I was like, "Oh, there's no data infrastructure. You mean there's all these software companies and there's no data infrastructure? What the
0: heck?" And you're like. Bing, big light bulb, big light bulb.
1: I'm like, this is so much bigger than Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. And then I'm like, thank you, God, you know, Mm -hmm. like this is, this was supposed to happen.
0: Justice.
1: Yeah. The justice is about awareness and awareness is about being able to see the data because that's the truth, Mm -hmm. right? If you don't have data, you only have stories. And one person can tell a story that's a complete lie. And one person can tell a story that's completely the truth without the data there. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what you see in society today, right? The biggest factions that are fighting, they don't read.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They don't have the education. They don't have the data. They don't have the facts. They don't respect facts. And that's why they're lost in the wilderness in illusion. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my God. And I found I was like 80% of businesses that are lost <laughs> in this illusion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what's happening is... That's being financed away, Mm -hmm. right? Just like it is now, right? With coronavirus, all this stuff, it's all being financed away. But we can't, as a planet, afford this ignorance anymore. Right. On a lot of levels, right? Mm And we can't afford this ignorance on an ecological level. We can't on an environmental level, on a social justice level, on an economic justice level, Mm -hmm. on a debt level. We can't afford this ignorance anymore. Right. Right. And I'm really grateful for the powers that be that said, hey, let's create a place for information called the internet
2: mm-hmm.
1: and let's do that and that will help rectify the problem um, and i believe that's true i believe that it we will rectify these problems probably with some pain and suffering but we will rectify some of these problems and so yeah day through was born out of that out of that knowledge and you know eventually we got validated by google they said hey what you're talking about is everything And we can't do that because our infrastructure is built for something totally different.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, I want to say they could be playing possum there because they have a lot of things going on in there.
1: They have different factions. Mm -hmm. What I can tell you about after working with Google for almost six years is there are definitely different factions Mm
2: -hmm.
1: as there are in every company. Mm -hmm. I think they're interesting because I think they're the most out of all of our partners. They're the most decentralized company
2: Hmm.
1: meaning there's a lot of chiefs yes. happening i think that's why you see a lot of different results from there and similar with amazon amazon has a lot of different chiefs and so i you know i know they both with both of those companies amazon is not a partner but google is um, they are working to clean up a lot of things and in the same with microsoft too they're trying to transition microsoft is the one that's actually very vocally and proactively transitioning and has transitioned to a lot of equity. It took them about five years, six years of solid work. Mm. Google and Amazon have not gone on those journeys yet.
0: And it's coming out more and more about what they're doing. It's really hard to be a part of, I mean, we're all threaded into that ecosystem. And, you know, when you talk about big data, I mean, they are, they're the mass data mine that everybody yeah. is trying to plug into. And only a few at the top. Are in that integrated. I want to say black box. Because it, just like Apple. They all have that secret. Kind of I want to say like a black box. And maybe I'm going a little conspiracy theory here. But I don't want to go that yeah, route. But... Part of
1: it is. They're tied to these you know, colonial infrastructures. Yeah. And so. All of us. Are sort of tied to this infrastructure still and so that has a lot to do with the limitations of what can be done and so um, part of it I sometimes I think well just people have to die off and then it's like who has time for that (laughs) Um, I really think that I really think that I think When I look at the first half of my career was really spent with like, you know, famous people, Mm well-known people, but people without power. Mm -hmm. And this chapter, I'm really spending a lot of time with people with actual power. And as I get closer to the center of that Mm -hmm. universe, I'm noticing that, you know, the question of why is Joe Biden playing ball with these people? Mm -hmm. He has to.
0: Yeah. Because he's
1: agreeing to be a part of this infrastructure the same infrastructure that has all these different aspects to it. And I spend a lot of time thinking about it and studying it and thinking about what's next mm-hmm. and, and thinking about the people that I support politically, one of whom is a potential candidate for president and what we're up to as mm-hmm. a group. And it's very challenging because you look at, you know, even I was thinking about, I was actually really disturbed by that whole Meghan Markle thing mm-hmm. too. Because I was just thinking about this institution, these institutions that are behind everything that are still active. And I don't personally think that Larry Page or Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or any of these guys consciously want to deal with these other things. Mm -hmm. But we are all forced to because of what's going on. And so then, you know, how does the other, how does the equitable world build up the power to trump this other world there's a lot of stuff where you know reality is i can have a lot of conversations about a lot of things but who's gonna have the understanding to have the conversation you know to listen exactly you know i said i said to my sister two years ago hey you should probably invest in bitcoin Mm -hmm. and she was sort of like silent right and i didn't even take my own advice i was like i should invest in bitcoin i should invest in it and then i waited till the last minute i still made like one one part i still made like 600 percent on my investment but but i was like wow you know just that little conversation Mm -hmm. so you know certain things right where i'm just like i can't have conversations with anybody about any of this stuff so it's hard because it's it's like back in the day right if you said you know i know about these things from the spirit world you know there really were people that studied the spirit world and they had these information Right, and then they call you a bruja, yeah. right? And it's like yeah. it's like what am I gonna do? Yeah. But
0: like you said, the data and the facts are there and data you can tell a story, but if you don't have the data to prove, you know, what's going on. My husband has another theory. He's like you can manipulate data to make the story that you want as well, depending on how That's you true. look at it. That's He's true. He's a math nerd. He's a he does math and education, so we have these conversations all the time. Nice. So yeah. um but part of it is that now, because of all this knowledge you've acquired and the things that have happened to you, now you're trying to provide data nuggets. That's what I'm going to call it. Data nuggets. Nice. Data nuggets out there for people. I like, I like it because, you know, people are.
1: I need, to, I need to plug that into my robot and see what kind of copy it spits out to me. What is it? The data nuggets. <laughs> Do people use that?
0: Well, you, you heard it first here. Data nuggets. So data nuggets, it's its something that are digestible for people to understand. And you have that on your website. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about Data360 a little bit here in the closing because that's your business and that's where you are now. And it is yeah. all pointed towards educating folks to become more software, technology platform literate, you know, how algorithms and technology are affecting us. And, you know, we've talked about this before, uh, and I do on my other podcast about books you can read, you know, to get more insight. One of them is The Weapons of Math, Destruction, Destruction, is a good one. The other one is Dr. Safia Nobel, who writes The Algorithms of Oppression, which is another Mm -hmm. great... That book, my head exploded when I read that book. And that's what actually gave me the cajones to launch this podcast was because I said I want to change the narrative not just marketing but in this new marketing realm with technology how do we educate people and how do we get them into the space more to change it because that's the only way it's going to change is if we get more into technology women of color people of color to change that so you know those are a few things but your website let's hear about it because and your business, because you're working with some big, you know, chingons out there of data. You know, I call them data, you know, the new data wells that are here. You know, like you think of oil yeah. underground and how yeah. it's mined.
1: We're working with all the chingons and we have all the yeah. chingons.
0: Chingons and cheese <laughs> men. Ooh, that's a good podcast. God damn it. Are you? That's mine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you can have it. You can have it. You can have it. So Data360, we have a new website up actually, which is uh, Mm data360network.com and we are now finishing up the version one of our first marketplace where you can buy different services and become data savvy in your business, whether it's a website, people don't know um, just the basics of advertising Mm -hmm. your business. You need to be listed on 71 different websites.
0: You mean platforms or web websites?
1: Yeah, directories, and that's it. Now there are 71 sites that proliferate your Ugh. data, the data about your business, right? And Google's one of them, right? So you can do, we also have a service for Grow Google, Grow Your Business, and we have more extensive services. So for example, uh, there's lots of weird trapdoors that platforms that nobody tells you about, right? So there's things like, you know, you need email hygiene. You need to check and make sure your email addresses on your databases, your Mailchimp, your CRM are are right. Um, you need legal compliance. Yes. You need disclosures mm-hmm. about data collection because of CP, because of GDPR uh, G- mm-hmm.
0: uh, yeah. G-
1: and C- CRPA. Mm-hmm.
0: People are like, what and,
1: is- <laughs> and the FTC, all
0: these acronyms, and
1: the FTC. Right. So when you do, you know, the, you know, federal trade edition, the federal trade commission. So you have to do all these things. So when, when you, we actually have a, a program called growth lab where basically, you know, you get all the fundamentals mm-hmm. of, Okay, you need to disclose what your product's about. You need to, or your service. You need to disclose what they're signing up for. You need to have your legal compliance, you know, your data collection practices in order, and you need to have your site listed and proliferated properly on all the websites. People, nobody tells them this stuff. So, like, if you go to GoDaddy, GoDaddy no, doesn't tell none of you any them of do. Of none of them, and so and Facebook doesn't tell you any of this stuff. So, so that's what we found out. Like, wow, just that piece. We didn't originally have that as a part of our menu of services. And then we noticed that all the small business customers, they had no guidance from anyone. And so now we just became partners with NASDAQ Entrepreneur Center. And so we're so excited to put together, you know, packages for people to understand like, this is what you need to. So we're doing that with um, over 5,000 black businesses. We're very excited about that. We're doing that with NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center and different groups to say, hey, with the city of LA, to say, hey, you know, this is the these are the basics of what yeah. you need to be online properly. It doesn't just need to be a pretty site; it needs to be a site that communicates the algorithms and machines and all that stuff, um, because that's the basics of how you'll get business every day. And then there's the platforms you need to list on, and then there's how to leverage those, and then there's the people that you talk to every day, and how do you get insights on how to talk to them? We're we're talking to a company. That's over a hundred years old. They were built in
0: 1850s. Oh my God.
1: And they've never had a customer database. They're a luxury brand. A lot of their products cost over six figures. Okay. They've never had a data. And and, you know, that's, that's a powerful company. It's been around a long time, makes plenty of money, all this stuff. They've never had a, a centralized database with insights about their customers outside of, we need to go service that customer mm-hmm. and that customer bought from us.
0: Yeah. So that's, they don't I mean, have why. any other data
1: <laughs> about their customers. Wow. They don't have any links to their social media. They don't know how to monetize their social media. They don't know how to get somebody from social media over to their store. They don't know who those mm-hmm. people are. Right. So, so we actually did a, we did a presentation to show them, Hey, you know, you have an influencer here with 500,000 fans who's sitting in your feed waiting for you to contact them. And you have it contacted them or built any relationship with them outside of just providing them with information. We had a similar conversation with Ikea. We've had similar conversations with lots of companies. So we have a lot of companies in our roster that we've been talking to, prototyping, collaborating with, including the city and county of LA, because there aren't any mechanisms for helping people manage the information about their lives. They're just used to getting it from the media are getting it from a platform or getting from a brand in a one directional way but the the, a lot of the brands are also dying because they don't have any feedback mechanisms now the best companies do have those feedback mechanisms and they're doing very well but it's a very small percentage of companies that know how to do that well and then there's a there's a shortage of tech talent because there's not enough people to know how to do those things so so our business really compensates for that so you know we can serve as a you know, all the way up to being a virtual CTO mm-hmm. for you, we can do data flows, help you with legal compliance, help you with your websites, help you with your apps, help future proof your business. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about with NASDAQ and coming workshops are about future proofing. How do you future proof your business? Um, Cause people are aware of that now because of coronavirus and then, you know, helping train workers. We actually have training programs and training services for small businesses and for, for individuals And so, you know, I work with elementary school and middle school students all the way up to community college, Mm -hmm. university, all of that. So we have a lot of those and appear on podcasts like this. And there's lots of those things that we have a fully developed ecosystem now. And so we're very excited about that and making sure everything is uh, super clear. And so now, you know, we're just growing and open to working with anyone. You can you can email support. At data360.solutions, if you need any help or you're looking for a quote or anything, I always tell people if you even if you find my email address, you will be buried in a email, 9,000 emails, <laughs> <laughs> quite literally. So, so it's better, support is better, trust me, it's mm-hmm, really better. Mm-hmm. You know, I just have to prioritize projects and, and, you know, do things that are important, like talking to black and brown audiences, I'm always down for. That's all the utmost importance of, you know, getting people activated yes. and understanding, activated and understanding how to steer our society in the right, right direction.
0: Right. And I, I fully support that. And that's what I really want to talk to you. And we'll talk offline about this. But thank okay. you, Marie, for joining me today. That was, again, data nuggets that are just going to be in your ears forever that people can listen to. Your business, Data360 Solutions. But there's a new data website.
1: Mm Data360network.com. And then if you want to get into all the details, it does link back to Data360.solutions.
0: Great.
1: And then you can contact us at support at Data360.solutions. Awesome.
0: And this is for small businesses and large businesses that really want to know how they are doing in the ecosphere of technology. It's like the World Wide Web is no joke. And how you get listed and found is bigger than all of us, and so we're all here to help you. Marie, thank you so much for being my guest. I do hope we can have you again. I know there's tons of stories here that we could dig into as offshoots, but this was a really good one, and (laughs) I know it's a lot for people to understand, but it blew my mind about all this, and I hope we are blowing other people's minds to be activated, like you said, and taking steps into knowing that they have more power than they know in the palm of their hand and the laptops and everything that they use. They just have to plug in in a good way.
1: <laughs> so yeah, plug in in a good way and, and share your vision for this world because we all we need more visionaries in in different kinds of vision to help each other thrive. And so, yeah, please join us.
0: Yep. Thank you, Marie, for being my guest here at Latinas from the block to the boardroom really appreciate all that information and if you want to find out more again go to data 360 networkscom to find out how you can leverage big data to your small business and with that mi gente, I really appreciate you subscribing signing up for our newsletter at latinasb2b.com and again please send me any inquiries about how I can assist you in your business Or if you'd like to provide feedback, go to LatinasB2B.com. Follow me on Twitter, LatinasB2B, and also Instagram at LatinasB2B. Gracias.